We've got a rowdy audience this morning. This is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> you don't have to tamp it down for me. Just go ahead and, and carry on. We'll have a good time together. I am so grateful to be here today, and I want to thank all of you for being here, and happy Mother's Day, and, and women of all ages and backgrounds. We're so glad that you're here this morning, and we especially are celebrating you for you afterwards. So uh, make sure you get those on your way out. They'll be telling you a little bit more about that. But I'm just so thankful for all of you. And I told it in the first service, and I'll say it again. I'm thankful that life is home. You all are a great bunch of people to hang out with. And, and I'm just, I think that God has blessed me by being able to be part of this congregation. So I As my husband mentioned, we have been in uh, this I Declare War series, and the subtitle of that is Four Keys to Winning the Battle Within Yourself. It's been a, a great series, but how many of you all know that we as human beings often like to focus on what people are doing wrong? And it's very easy to do that. In fact, we have something in common conversation today called culture wars, where this person has an about their ideas and whose ideas are going to be best and whose ideas are going to overcome and, and we're clashing constantly about things that we hold dear to us and it's very, very easy to get caught up in those kinds of things and focus on what somebody else is doing wrong and what they believe wrong but I think it's far more challenging to stop and take a moment and look inside of ourselves and say, hmm, I got some battles inside of me that need to be solved and I've got some things that I need to be worrying about before I worry about what's wrong with my neighbor. Jesus kind of said it like this. Jesus said, worry about the, the log in your own eye before you work on getting the splinter out of your friend's eye. And sometimes it's really hard for us to do that because it's much more easy to focus on their splinter than the log hanging out of our own eye. And so we are declaring war. We're declaring war on those things within us that we need to change, that we need to do to grow and to become more like the people that we were created to be. It's also um, the, the image we're using is screens and my husband mentioned we are being uh we're focusing on the wolf and you say why the wolf how does this all work together a lot of you are joining us for the first time today because you're here to visit your moms they uh, i will let you know that on behalf of them um but another image we've used is the wolf and the reason that we're doing that is um is uh comes from a story that happened around the turn of the 1900s where Theodore Roosevelt, he was one of our presidents back then, and he became very famous and was very revered. In fact, his, his name has been captured on Mount Rushmore. Not his name, but his picture has been captured on Mount Rushmore because he was so popular at the time. And he was a famous war hero even before he became president. He had lots and lots of accomplishments. And um, in his very first battle, he was leading a group of ragtag soldiers, all volunteers, and uh, some of them were uh, athletes, some of them were farmers, some of them were academics from all different kind of backgrounds, but none of them were professional soldiers. But he came to call his group the Rough Riders. And as he led these Rough Riders group of ragtag soldiers this hill, um, and it was his first battle, he came to a point at which he knew that he couldn't go back, he had to go forward. And if he went forward, though, it was going to cost, and his life was never going to be the same again in order to win that battle something was going to change permanently. And one of the things that he famously said that we've kind of adapted as we're looking at this series, he, the famous thing that he said after that battle was, all men who feel any power of joy in battle know what it's like when the wolf rises in the heart. 
And so as we're going into this battle of our lives, trying to win the war against ourselves, we are just encouraging people to use the image of the wolf rising in our hearts. And something rising up within us says, we're going to win this battle, and, and we're going to make it no matter what. And, and so I'm hoping that as, as this imagery comes to you today and in the series that we have before and the, still, the one that's coming afterwards, that you'll just let something rise up within you and have that spirit rise that says, I'm going to win that battle wolf. Now today's um, message today is on acting like a wolf. We've talked about several different things, and today we're going to focus on acting like a wolf. And I asked the first service, and I got this, and I bet second service is going to get this right too. When you talk to people about coming to church, one of the most common reasons that people say, I'm not going to come to church, is I don't go to church because of all the the hypocrites. And if you could define hypocrite, basically, it boils down to this. People who are all words and no actions. Their life doesn't match up with what they do. What they say and what they do don't match up. And today we're going to talk about acting like a wolf, not being a hypocrite, to really put actions behind what you've been called to do as you're winning this war from within yourself. And James very famously tells us in the book of James, it says, uh, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. It's very important to have both. You need to have faith. It's very important to have faith. But if you don't put some action behind it, it's dead. It's useless. It's not going to get you anywhere. This morning I'm going to be reading a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you have it in front of you in any way, you can read that. If not, you're welcome to read along on the screens. And we'll be starting with 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5. And it starts out like this. You are the sons of light, the daughters of the day. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. We've got some more scriptures to read, but I want to pause right there for just a moment and point out a couple of things. Some of you all are having an identity crisis, or maybe you've had an identity crisis before. You say, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I do. I'm I'm just having an identity crisis. I've got great news for you today. The scripture tells you who you are. You are a son of the light and a daughter of the day. If you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you are a son of the light and a daughter of the day. And most of you all have come become aware of the fact that there is an enemy of your soul who wants to pull you down, who wants to keep you from being everything that God has called you to be. And we're in a fight and we're in a battle to become what God's called us to be, but not everybody's cheering for us. And the enemy of your soul would, would, would identify you by your worst shame, by your worst fear. You're afraid if everybody knew they wouldn't like you anymore. You know, I'm kind of convinced that we all have this hidden profile picture inside of us, not the one that we put up on our social media, but this hidden one that we keep inside of our heart that's not too pretty. And we're worried that if anybody ever saw that ugly profile picture that we keep privately hidden in our heart, that they they wouldn't like us. And the enemy likes to take that and torment us with it. But you know what? I want to stop at this point in the scripture. And I want to just say, as a son of the light and as a daughter of the day, God says this to you. You are not your pain. You are not your past, you are not your guilt, you are not your shame, you are not your family of origin, you are not your bad habits, you are a son of the light and a daughter of the day. God has good news for you. Some of you, that's the good news you needed to hear today, and you can wrap up and go home now because you've heard the sermon. (laughs) But I hope that you don't, I hope that you stick around for a little while. I want to encourage you today to embrace the statement, 
I am who God says I am. I'm not who the enemy says I am. I'm not who my worst fears say that I am. I am who God says I am. In fact, I want you to get this so deeply in your heart that I'm going to do something that I have never done in a sermon before. I know a lot of preachers do this, but I've never done this. I want you to shake your neighbor's hand, and I want you to say this. If they're a female, I want you to say, Good morning, daughter of the day. And if you're a male, I want you to say, Good morning, son of the light. Just take a moment and shake somebody's hand near you and greet them. (laughs) Remember that. You are who God says you are. Now let's continue with the scripture reading in verse 6. So let's let's not sleepwalk through life like uh, those others. Let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night. But not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. God didn't set us up for angry rejection but for salvation by our master, Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that triggered life. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we are alive with him. Everybody, welcome to Life Church, where we're going to celebrate life and that God is alive in you today. And I really want to go back to uh, verse number 8 in 1 Thessalonians 5 because it really contains our focus for the day. And it says this, let me remind you. But not us. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. Since we're creatures of the day, let's act like it. And if I were to give you my whole sermon in a sentence today, it's this. Your daily activity should come from your new identity. That's why it was so important just a moment ago for me to make sure you understood that your new identity is a son of the light and the daughter of the day because all of your activity, everything that you do, the decisions that you make, the, the places that you go, the people that you hang out with, everything that you do should come that, from that identity as a son of the light and a daughter of the day. In other words, this morning, we are challenging you to act like a wolf. Now, now how do I do that, you might say. I'm, I'm so glad you asked. Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> I can't give you a whole comprehensive thing on that today. But let me just give you a few pointers that will kind of start heading you in the correct direction. And point number one that I like to make, and you do have a place in your worship guide where you can take notes and you can fill in the notes, and there's a place for you to fill in there. Point number one is every wolf has a pack. Every wolf has a pack. Now, there's a lot of interesting facts about wolves. Their sense of smell is a hundred times more powerful than a human's sense of smell. Now, the first service I said that wrong, and I said wolves smell 100 times worse than people or something like that. I don't know. I I got it totally mixed up, whatever it was I said, and everybody had a good laugh over that. But their sense of smell is 100 times stronger. Now, now that's kind of a useless fact, but I thought it was fun to throw in there. Um, Because, I mean, can you imagine? I love the smell of fresh baked bread. Mmm, so awesome. I love the smell of pasta, my absolute favorite food. But can you imagine if it was 100 times magnified and you were smelling that all day, every day, magnified? Or there are some smells that I just don't want to smell, even at a human level, much less at a wolf pack level of 100 times that much. You know what I mean? But there are some things about wolves, maybe that's not so relevant, that are a little bit more relevant for our conversation today. 
And one of the things about wolves is they have a very strong familial devotion. They are very devoted to their families. In fact, wolves are some of the only uh, beings in the animal kingdom that tend to mate for life because their families are very important to them. The pack is very important to them, and who they hang out with is very important, and it's a strong commitment. I would challenge you today that, that, that you need your pack. You need your posse, to use another way to say it. I was reminded of this fact when I was out with a few of the ladies the other night, and one of the ladies uh, told us, she said, when I text my husband and I tell him that I'm out with my posse, it means, he knows that it means that I'm out with my church friends. Because her husband both know that her posse, her pack, is her church friends. And I hope that you have friends everywhere you go and that you have friends at work and that you have friends that you met in school and you have friends all over the place. But I hope that over time that some of your very, very best friends will, become, will come from your spiritual pack, from your posse, because there are people who are trying to go the same direction that you're going, people that share some of the same values that you share, and they're going to encourage you and they're going to help you grow and they're going to help you to become your best self. Every wolf has a pack. In fact, one of the reasons we emphasize small groups at church so much is because we want you to have a pack within the pack. Yes, the people at Life Church can be your pack, but you can't really go around to each and every person who's here this morning. By the way, I have a prayer request. Or by the way, something really awesome happened to me this week and I want to let you know about it. But by having a small group, you have a group of people that you meet with on a weekly basis. Hey, these are my joys. These are my sorrows. Let's celebrate. Let's commiserate together. And that's a powerful thing about having a pack because you're going to grow and you're going to become because of that. A second point I'd like to make about having a pack is this, and it was said by Rudyard Kipling. The strength of the wolf is the pack and the strength of the pack is the wolf. That quote comes from the Jungle Book and I love that fact because because, uh, some of the greatest truths come out in kids' books. In fact, I have a whole bunch of them in my office and I actually read them to people. For those of you who haven't I'm a professional counselor and I have a counseling office and, and sometimes I find like the kids books have the greatest truths and so I'll just read them in the middle of a counseling session and so this uh, quote happens to come from the Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling, a great kids book The strength of the wolf is the pack and the strength of the pack is the wolf Let me, let me unpack that statement for you. If you wanted to do it like this I would say, Rachel I am better because of you. And Rachel, you're better because of me. And the rest of them, they're all better because of the two of us. (laughs) In fact, I'm not sure how they'd make it without us. (laughs) We're all stronger because we're together. And we're all better individually because we're together. And we're all better as a group because you're here. And I'm ever so grateful for that because the strength of the pack is in each of us. And I'm so grateful for that, and I'm so thankful for that. And I need you all. I hope you know that. Let me say this as well, and this kind of dovetails with this very nicely. One of the reasons we need the pack is because a lone wolf has no protection. Sometimes we idealize the lone wolf, and we have pictures of it, and we have images of ourselves. The lone wolf, we don't need anybody. But the reality of the pack is, is in the pack we can stick together. We can fight together. We can celebrate together. We can have the I protect you and you protect me kind of attitude as we're in this pack together. You know, as a small child, there was a song that they used to sing in church, and it sounds kind of very cheesy and very 70s. If you were to YouTube it today, you'd think, oh, my goodness, you really got something out of that. But I did. 
Because the words to the song were this. And I remember in church listening to the song, and I would close my eyes, and I would sing it with all of my heart. And the song said, Sometimes we laugh together. Sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family. And that meant so much for me because as a small child, we, my dad was in a pastor and we moved around a lot and I wasn't near my grandmas and my grandpas. I wasn't near aunts and uncles. It was just us way far away from them. Sometimes we would only see grandparents once or twice a year. And I just needed that sense of family. And it meant so much to me to know that the people who were around me were my family. And they would laugh and cry and they would share little things with me. And I, I still feel that way about church. That's one of the reasons that I love Life Church so much because you all feel like family to me. I'm so blessed to have Nick, uh, Nick, <laughs> Natalie and Ben uh, with me here close by, but the rest of my family lives pretty far away. And I'm really, really, really grateful that you all can be family and you can be family to us in the absence of our biological family. And I think that's important for all of us. Amen. It's interesting that wolves actually organize army they don't they had that not that lone wolf mentality at all in every pack did you know that there is an alpha male but there's also an alpha female and they work together to help to lead the pack and the male is known for being strong and one who leads with quiet confidence it's interesting as as i was reading the research on this this week that it's not always the the, the biggest and the strongest wolf but it's, it's that wolf that has that something something that the other wolves can tell that make it the alpha male. But I was reading about the, the alpha female, and don't tell anybody this, this is just between you all and, and me, that often they say it's the alpha female who really runs the pack. <laughs> so God has, God has a place for the alpha males and the alpha females. Amen. Amen. Thank you. My husband gave me some good support on that. I really appreciate that. Women, there's a place for you. If you're an alpha female or if you're an alpha male, there's a place for you in God's kingdom. But they also organize on other levels. There's what they call the beta wolf. And the beta wolf serves as lieutenants and helps keep everything on track and helps keep peace and helps the alpha males and females keep the pack in line. Believe it or not, there's also, alpha means beginning, omega means end. There's an omega wolf. And they may eat less and they may get a little bit more bruised in the battle, but they actually have a specific job. They help to keep the morale up. They're kind of like the court jester of the pack where, where they, you know, when things are getting a little quiet or down. They're the ones that are going to go over there and start playing and start making up a fake mock fight so they can all play together and roll around and have a good time. And Omega male uh, does, or Omega wolf does. And, and, and then there's plenty of wolves in between in every pack. And they make up the pack. And they're a group and they hang together. And, and the reason I bring up that, because I, I think that's just kind of like the church in a whole lot, the, the church of Jesus Christ, that there is a place for everyone. Right. It doesn't matter if you're an alpha, you're a beta, you're an omega, or somewhere between. There is a place for you in this pack. And you belong here. And I'm going to have your back. And you're going to have my back. And we're all going to work together for the safety of all. That's exciting. And as we look at the pack... I'd like to make one more point about that. And I'd really like to encourage you to find an alpha wolf to model your life after. Find an alpha wolf to model your life after. Ever since I was in my 20s and, and speaking out loud at Mother's Day services, reading a scripture, one of my favorite scriptures for Mother's Day has been this from, the, from Titus. Guide older women into lives of reverence, 
so that they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children and be virtuous and pure, keep a good house, and be good wives. Isn't that a great scripture? Because it's telling us to look to the women who are, we're not going to call them older, we're going to call them seasoned. We're going we're to look at some more seasoned people that have gone. <laughs> you know, they, I, w- I was reading this week that indeed 50 is the new 30. Uh, but, but, um, or 30 is the new 50. I think I said that backwards, didn't I? I don't know. Whichever way it goes, we're getting better and better. That's what I'll say. <laughs> so find someone to model yourself after. And let the, the older women, the seasoned women, or men among you be able to teach you and find somebody who can teach you the ways of goodness. I would ask you this question today Who are you doing life with? Who are you doing life with? Some studies show that, that you are the average of the five people that you're closest to. That can hold in financial ways, that can hold in spiritual ways, that can hold in your zeal for life, the way you approach life. You are, tend to be the average of the five people that you're the closest to. And I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but when it comes time to pay bills, I, I'm thinking I, maybe I need to start hanging around some millionaires because I want to be the average of those five people. <laughs> But one of the great pastors uh, right now is named Craig Rochelle, and he has this great quote, and I think it's really important. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. The people that you hang with make such a difference in your life. As I mentioned before, I'm in counseling, and I, I deal a lot with people who are trying to come out of lifestyle. Sometimes it's drugs or other habits and one of the things that we have to say over and over is you've got to find a pack to hang with that's going to encourage you you may have to change your pack because the people who you were with before were dragging you down and you need to get with some people who are going to lift you up and who are going to push you along and you're going to be better with them than without them find people to mentor you spiritually financially in your life choices in your relationship choices find those people because you're going to become habituated by the environment you choose so please Choose wisely because you're going to rise or dwindle according to who you hang out with. You know, they're able to study brain waves and all kinds of things like that that I don't completely understand. I don't, it's amazing to me all the things that we can study now because of technology. And they say that brain waves or even body cycles are starting to sync up with people that you hang with the most. You want your brain waves to be syncing up with people that are on a good path, that are on a path that you're wanting to go to because, because it's going to affect you. Look for somebody who's gone the path ahead of you that will model goodness for you. It's so important. In my office this week, I was actually dealing with somebody who who was dealing with a relationship issue. And I don't know whether to be in this relationship or not in this relationship. I just don't know. And, And the question that I posed to that individual was, do you have anybody in your life that has a good gift of discernment? By discernment, I mean people who can see past what's on the surface and see deeper and understand situations a little bit more clearly and deeply because they can see past the superficial things. And they said, well, yes, I do. And, and, and I said to this person, what would this person say about that particular relationship that you're struggling over? And they said, they would say, get out right now. I said, well, then you need to do it. <laughs> because this person happened to have that great person in their life that had that discernment and they could see things and could help them make good decisions. And we all need to have those kind of people in our lives. So after we understand that we need a pack, and this is something I think you probably didn't come to church expecting to hear, I would encourage you, if you want to act like a wolf, pay attention to your posture. 
Your mama may have always said it. Sit up straight. Stand up straight and tall. Pay attention to your posture. What are your facial expressions? What is your resting face? I'm looking at a lot of resting faces right now, and I'm getting a lot of variety. <laughs> you know, in, in my counseling office, I, I have an office um, a, a couple of doors from, from the main entrance, and then I have to go to the waiting area to pick up people. And it's really interesting because usually long before we get into my office and I say, hello, how are you today? When I'm meeting them in the waiting area, I can look at how they're sitting and how, they're stand, uh, and how they stand up and if they're walking crisply, if they're shuffling, what their facial expressions are. And I can tell a whole lot about what we're going to talk about in the meeting based on what I see on the way from the waiting room to my office because our postures tell so much about where we are. I'll never forget, I waitressed my way through college and uh, it was a long four years, but I learned a lot in those four years. And... Um, and I used to have, well, I still do have what I call my thinking face. And it's my, I'm thinking and I'm just contemplating something and what's going on. And, and I was walking from one end of the restaurant to the other in one of my early days there. And, and uh, one of my coworkers said, are you mad? I said, no, I'm not mad. I'm just thinking about stuff. And I said, well, you know, if you want to be a waitress, you're going to have to start smiling because it's very important because it makes people feel comfortable and it makes people think that you're not mad at them. So I had to very consciously learn to start smiling whenever I was walking into a room, even when I wasn't paying attention to anybody or interacting with anybody because it was good. It made them feel welcome. It made them feel at home. It made them enjoy their experience a whole lot more, and it put more money in my pocket because they were happy. So there's a very good practical reason for, for learning to smile more. And, uh, and a few years later, actually quite a few years later, apparently I was still practicing smiling. I didn't realize that I was um, because... We were pastoring our first church, and it was just very, um, very early. My kids were very small, and sometimes it was really flustering to try to get them to church and, and to get them to quit fussing and to make sure they had clean diapers and everything before I dropped them off at the nursery. And they, the nursery was downstairs, and then I would come upstairs and come into the auditorium. But one of the ladies told me, they said, one of my favorite things about coming to church is when you come in, and you're coming in that front door, and you look out over the audience, and you smile. And they said, that's one of my favorite things on Sunday morning. That little smile meant so much to that person coming into the auditorium. And what we do and how our posture is and what our facial expressions are affect us and they affect other people so much. People that study wolves say that they can actually tell how successful a wolf is going to be and where it's going to, what its placement is going to be within the pack based on what their posture is, how they walk, how they move among their peers, how their ears lay flat or not, or their, their tails. And I don't understand all the details of that, but I do understand that their posture makes such a difference in where they're going to be in the pack. And I don't think it's news to any of you all that, that we tend to carry a lot of stress in our body. In, in fact... Most of the money that's spent on medical expenses right now is something related to stress, whether you're going to the doctor directly for stress and need some medications or, or some kind of therapy to help you out, or if you have a disease that's stress-related. We're spending a lot of money in our country on stress-related illnesses because we take stress into our bodies. And there's a, a new term that they're throwing out right now, and it's called embodied co cognition embodied cognitions. It's a fancy word, but basically it, it, it has this principle behind it. The way that you hold yourself affects the way that you feel. The way that you feel affects the way that you hold yourself. It's a two-way street, not just a one-way street. So while it may be true that you're sitting there today and you're sitting that way because you're sad, 
you're also more sad because you're sitting that way. Because your, po- your, your posture affects how you feel. And it's really important and it influences things. And I thought it was interesting as, as I was doing some reading up on this because when I first heard I thought, surely that can't be as true, but, but, but it really is. They really are studying this a whole lot and there's some famous TED Talks on that right now. But, but one of the things that they're starting to hypothesize on and study about is one of the reasons for the great rise in depression, there's been a big rise in depression in our culture, one of the things they hypothesize based on the theory and the studies that have already been done is that one of the reasons that depression is increasing in our culture is because we are so hunched over all of the time. And when you're hunched over, you're holding stress into your shoulders there. You're also not breathing properly because your lungs can't come in and out. And why are we hunched over? Because when we're walking, we're looking down at our phones and trying to check the latest status or check the latest text. When, and otherwise, we're sitting at our computers and we're hunched over our computers checking on what's happening on our computer. And because we're spending so much of our time hunched over and not having proper posture, the theory is, and they're getting some evidence for it, that actually depression may be rising in our culture in part due to that. This goes both ways. And so we gotta we got to walk and stand straight. So when your mama told you to walk and stand straight, it, it, it's, good for, it's good for how you look, but it's also good for how you feel. I'm encouraging you this morning to have a good posture, to walk like a wolf, to walk like somebody who's got some confidence and knows where you're going. You can actually not only appear more confident, but you can feel more confident as you're walking in with good posture. And I just want to relate it to one more item while we're, while we're here and pause on this point. The scripture talks a lot about posture. Did you realize that? The scripture talks about when we come into his house, we're going to give him praise and we're going to give God thanksgiving. In fact, it instructs us even how to do that. It tells us to, to play the instruments. It tells us to lift up holy hands. Psalms 24 says, lift up your head and the king of glory will come in. Lift up your hands, lift up your head, clap your hands. Do all of these things as you're praising. Do all of these things as you're worshiping. And God talks to us about our posture that we have when we come in. Now, I'm going to tell you a little secret that you may or may not have realized. If you come here on a Sunday morning, you're liable to see somebody on the front row, hands like this, all over the place. In fact, we actually watched a videotape of our sermon last week and He's singing wonderfully, and he's just really putting his whole heart into it. And right in the middle of the video camera, there's this person, big, tall, foot three, kind of balding on top, glasses. He's up there just doing like this back and forth. (laughs) And you know what? The secret I'm going to tell you is not that, because if you've been here before, you've seen this happen. In fact, you may have seen it happen this morning. But the secret I'm going to tell you is Phil doesn't always come in feeling like praising. I live with him. I know that some mornings, even on a Sunday morning, God forbid, he's grumpy. I know that sometimes sometimes he's happy. Sometimes he gets distracted by something that's happening. But you know what he's, he's learned over He's learned to come in praising, to come in worshiping, no matter what his mindset is. And he's going to be an alpha wolf when it comes to, when it comes to praising, when it comes to worshiping, and it doesn't really affect by who he is. Him, he's going to be up the one worshiping. He's going to be the one setting the pace. He's going to be the one making it happen. Because that's what he set his mind to do. He's got that posture of praise and he's got that posture of worship. And I would just challenge you all just to let him be your mentor in that and, 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 and watch him and follow him in that because even if you don't feel like it, even if that's not your style per se, as you do that, as you have that posture of worship that the scripture encourages us to have, great things are going to happen for you. 
And you're going to open up your heart to some things that you never realized were possible. And you may come in feeling awful and you can leave feeling amazing because you've adopted that posture of worship. The last point that I'm going to make is give thought to your pregame. There was another person who studied wolves that had this quote about wolves. They often gather to howl before setting off on a nightly hunt. Apparently, as kind of a morale-boosting exercise. This type of howl often follows a rally, an exuberant display of affection in which wolves leap on one another, forming a furry pile of wagging tails and bodies. <laughs> Sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> but before a hunt, they're all going to get together, and they're going to have this pre-game thing where they all howl together, and they, they all gather together, and they encourage each other. And I would say this, if wolves need to rally before they go on a hunt, how much more do we need to rally? Because while the wolf faces some dangerous enemies, the Bible tells us that the enemy of our soul has come to kill and come to destroy our very beings. But Jesus said this. Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and I've come to give it to you to the full. So in order really to get that full life, one of the things you have to pay attention to is your pregame. pregame. You need to spend some time every day, even in the mornings if you can, getting yourself grounded, checking your heart, worshiping, reading the scriptures, talking to uplifting friends. Sometimes I have to even encourage people. I, almost, I said the other day, I wish I had a prescription pad so I could just write this down on a prescription pad and tell you, don't collect stories from disgruntled people. It's not helping you a bit. <laughs> Check your pregame. Get your heart right so that you can become everything that God's called you to be so that you can act like a wolf. You are a daughter of the day. You're the son of the light. Act like a wolf. Walk in that. And, and I'll tell you, back, back to my husband, alpha wolf on, on praise and worship. You know, one of the reasons he's doing that is because he knows he has to get up here and has to speak to you. And you're expecting an encouraging word. You're expecting some wisdom. You're expecting to be uplifted by what you hear here today. And if he doesn't have his pregame in the right place, if he hasn't been spent some time with you, it's hard to give And I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And he's clapping. And he claps even real tall. So I'm sure you guys see it so that you can clap too. It's very important to get your pregame on. C.S. Lewis has this great quote, and I love it. Very often, the only way to get a quality in reality is to start behaving like you have it already. If you want a quality in your life, start behaving that way. Well, I'm not feeling very good today, but I'm going to worship. I, I, I'm pretty scared, and i got some big situations in my life, but I know from my pregame Bible reading that I can do all things through Christ. It's that pre-game attitude, acting like you have it before you actually have it. I don't have a penny to my name, and it's time to pay the bills. But I'm going to walk around like my heavenly father owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he's promised to take care of me. And that's the pre-game attitude I'm going to have because I'm hurting myself. I'm God's word, and I'm acting like I have it before I've actually attained it. It's an awesome thing. Now, earlier in today's message, I challenged you to find somebody in a pack that you can look up to. And I am just so thrilled that Life Church is blessed with an abundance of these people that you can look up to. And you can look all around you and see people who can help you in all kinds of areas. But since it's Mother's Day, I'm going to use my prerogative to focus on some of the amazing she-wolves that are in our pack today. Some of the more 
experienced women among us who have some life lessons to share. And I've asked a group of these ladies to come up and help me close the service today. And I've asked them to come and share a little bit about themselves. Now, honestly, I wish we had time for each of them to share their testimonies. And I visited with most of these ladies extensively over the years that we've known each other. And their stories are powerful. And if we had it all day long, you could sit here and listen to some of their stories, and we still not, might not have time to get them all done because they've lived some life and they've been through some things. And you look at them here on Sunday morning, and they look amazing. I mean, they look like they've got it all together. They look like they've got it going on, don't you, Daphne? <laughs> but they haven't gotten to the place that they've gotten to today without having been through some things because they've been through some seasons of life. And God has done some amazing things in each of their lives. And we don't have time to share those all in detail. And again, I wish we did. And I hope that if you connect with any of these ladies up here, you'll take some time to ask them their stories because you'll be so encouraged. But since we don't have time to share the entire story, what we're going to do is we're going to share what we call cardboard testimonies. We're on the front. It tells something in their life that they've struggled with, that they've dealt with. And on the back, it tells what God has done for them in relationship to that. And as you, as you watch them share their, this piece of their story, I hope that you'll sit back and you'll think, God did it for them, and he can do it for me. Amen. And that you'll let some of this amazing pack of women encourage you today and make you believe and make you have hope in situations which you may find hopeless. As we were creating these posters the other night, you can attest that there were some tears going on as we were remembering all the things that God had done for us and the places that we had gone. And some of the women, most of the women said, I don't know which one to pick. There's so many things that God has done in my life, and God has changed my life. And it was a powerful time. And we share this this morning not just so that you can focus on us, but so that you can have hope that God has a plan for your future. And there's women that have gone before you that are willing to encourage you, that are willing to share what God's done in their life. And, and we believe that God has great things for you. And you can't convince any of us, can you? That, that God hasn't done amazing things and he won't continue to do great things and we want to uplift him, we want to encourage you and this is an amazing pack of women and I'm so thankful to be part of an amazing an amazing pack of women at this point in the service we'd like to take just a few moments to invite people to come into the family of Jesus and become a part of the pack. Maybe in the past, you felt like you were a lone wolf, like you didn't have anything to share, like, like, like you didn't want to share. But God's inviting you this morning to become part of his pack and to join in with this group of people who want to encourage you and who want to uplift you. So as we bow our heads and we close our eyes, I'd like to just ask anyone who maybe hasn't asked the Lord into their heart yet, Say, God, I want to join your pack today. Maybe you did it many years ago, but you've walked away and run away from the pack, and God is inviting you back to the pack this morning. And so I just want to encourage you to raise your hand and say, that's me, that's me. I want to be part of this pack of faith, people that will lift me up. And joining them this morning, if you say, I really want to be encouraged, I want to be mentored, I want to grow, and I want to be a great part of the growing pack of Jesus Christ, if you would just raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm encouraged this morning, and I want to be an encourager, and I want to mentor. God has that for you. Let me, let me just say a word of prayer over all of us this morning. God, 
Thank you, Lord, for the people that are here today. God, I feel you pulling and tugging on people's hearts this morning and encouraging them to grow. And God, I believe you have great things for each one of us, dear God. And I ask you, Lord, those who are just giving you their heart for the first time or recommitting their lives, dear God, I ask in the Jesus' name, Lord, that you would help them to find people who will gather around them and help them to grow, Lord. And that those of us who are stepping up and saying, yes, we're willing to be mentors and we're willing to grow and we want to be a part of what you're doing, God, I ask you just to, to let this word continue to grow in each of our lives. And I believe that you can do that, and I'm so thankful for that. In Jesus' name we pray. At this point in the service, what we normally do is some time for if you'd like to have prayer, that we could have some prayer. Um, and I would encourage you to take advantage because we have some special prayer folks this morning. Some of our ladies are willing to lay hands and pray for you. And if you'd like just to be encouraged or you just feel like you have a special need on your heart, we've got some ladies that are willing to pray for you. And Jana and Susan and Jenny are just going to come around front here during our time when we're having some of our closing music happening. And we're going to do communion. And these ladies are going to take, give you communion in the front if you'd like to partake in communion this morning. And Natalie and Gayla are going to go to the back and they're going to remind you that the body and the blood of Jesus Christ is for you and he can do great things in your life. And it's going to be exciting. And, and you know, normally during our communion times we have a little bit more of a quiet time and it's more contemplative as we think about the cross and as we think about what Jesus has done for us. This morning we're going to switch it up just a little bit because we've already been talking. God has done great things in our lives and we're going to celebrate. So the song that we picked this morning for the communion time is going to be a little bit more... God has done for our lives and we're so grateful for his cross and what he's done so I invite the worship team just to lead us out lead us with power lead us with grace and, and let us know how exciting it is that God has done great things for us